You were saying hello. Hello. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You and those beautiful eyelashes of yours. Oh, it's a sin against God. And he flutters them too. Can we get like I want to get like a gif of that. That'll be like my background on my phone. Just your fluttery eyelashes. Oh my god, he's beautiful. <laughs> You said hello. Hello. Hello, beer and fear listeners. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week. <laughs> we should come up with a song like Mr. Rogers. And we no. can sing every every opening. I can't sing. Thank you for tuning in to Beer and Fear. Oof. <laughs> no? That was a combination of you and oof. You and oof. Oof. Uh, this is Beer and Fear. You always say welcome to Beer and Fear. Not this time. I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> this I is episode... I don't like being a part of this. This is episode 33. I can't put my name on this episode. Well, too bad. I don't like that. It's on every episode. I don't like that. On the little tombstone. I don't like that. Episode 33. And it's my episode. It is your episode. And it's about Lyme disease. Because... Zach likes to pick interesting topics. Someone didn't want to do sushi. A fucking stupidest topic you've ever given to me, and I was so confused by it. I actually said to you, what's the actual topic? What's the real topic? That should have told you right there. Okay. That's fine. If you really want to do it. Or maybe a bonus episode. We can do it. I just... You didn't want to drink sushi-flavored beer, either. I would have done that. I would have done that. Um, I forget the beer. I think it was called Roll Out the Barrel. Oh. For roll, sushi roll, that, not the barrel. So we're a, doing we're doing Lyme disease instead because this was on the list. So I took sushi off the list. I saw Lyme disease. I was like, that's great because it's going to be easy for me to find a beer. But I have a story. Oh, so there's a story. Buckle up. Um, Buckling up. Before we get into the beer, anything to recap about your week this past know, week? Just nothing really. Just enjoying work. Um, nothing crazy. I feel like we, oh no, we recorded last week and we talked about Easter. So, yeah, nothing really happened. I'm looking at my calendar. Nothing uh, significant. Well, except, well, I mean, I've got a few things. Nothing nothing happened this week for you? Okay. She still, wants that, she still wants that coffee cake. I know she does. She's eyeing it. Uh, this week is, um, oh, well, that kind of goes with my job. Uh, this week has been like an appreciation week for us at work. Mm-hmm. Um so we have a bunch of people that we work with, and they, they've been bringing in food and a lot of desserts and chocolates and sweets and gifts for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and our fridges are jam-packed full of stuff, and it's getting to be a little much. Like, we're all very appreciative of the food. I'm glad I don't have to, like, make food every day, and I, and I haven't been grocery shopping this week. Because I've just been eating at work because people just keep bringing in food. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's literally no more room in our refrigerators for anything else. And I feel like a lot of it's going to end up going to waste, which is unfortunate. But we've had some pretty good food. We got uh, just kebabs uh-huh. today, which I was eating before I came over. Yeah. We had um, uh, someone they grilled for us. So we had like fresh kebabs like a couple days ago. 
Um, we had pizza delivered yesterday. Um, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Our um, one of our managers uh, dropped these off for everyone. So it's like a little pouch. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm gonna. I don't know what I'm gonna put in here, but um, I'll figure something out. And then she uh, got these for everyone. Oh, that's funny. Oh, and there's like a oh, that's funny. <laughs> Appreciation facts. That's cute. One hundred and ten percent. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, just bonk the cat right in the face. Right in the head. Um, so yeah, a lot of gifts, a lot of food. It's been fun. Um, I helped my mom today with the internet because the router finally crapped out. What a good son. That was fun. And, um, I love that. Just, I, I had a very adventurous day otherwise. Yeah. Um, So what's your story? So the beer that I picked, Mm -hmm. um, don't tell me what it is, is called, oh, don't, I don't want to know what it is yet. When are you going to be ready? Never. To, to know what it is. Is this a part of your introduction well, eventually to we the gotta, story? Okay, eventually go we got to get to it go you know, at some point. Okay. okay. So the beer that I picked is Key Lime Pie Goza mm-hmm. by Distill Brewery. Mm-hmm. And um, did all my research on uh, on this beer. Um, I was really excited to try Goza. And I got to Bolingbrook and they didn't have it. Oh. And that was the first time I've done that. Um, I know that happened to you a couple of times, which is why you picked Many the beer a first. Yes, this picked is why I picked the beer first. Right. Now. But this is the first time I made this mistake, is doing all the research on my beer and then getting to the binnies and finding out that it's not there. Um, but it said it was in stock, mm-hmm. all right? Usually it says like limited availability or call for availability, you know? This one just said in stock. Mm-hmm. Perfect. It's in stock. They got it. And I get there, they don't have it. I'm like, son of a bitch. So the other store that has it in stock is Bloomington, mm. which is in Peoria, right next to Peoria, which mm-hmm. is essentially where the brewery is um, for a distill. Um, and I almost, almost thought about driving down there. Mm-mm. It would have been an hour and 40 minutes to, to drive there, and then about two hours back. Um, and I was thinking, I would still be on the road mm-hmm. if I decided to get that beer. But I called them, and they're like, yeah, we have it in stock. And I was like, okay, good. I'm, I'm at the Bolingbroke store. I might swing by. Wait a second. Are you... Are you talking about Bloomingdale? Are you thinking Bloomingdale or Bloomington? I was like, oh, which store is this? She said, this is Bloomington. Oh, <laughs> it's really far away. Oh. She's like, yeah, you might as well drive to the brewery at that point. I was like, okay, well, I'll let you know if I decide to <laughs> swing by. Um, so, unfortunately, I had to pick a different beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really excited to try a Goza because we had been talking about doing a Goza for a while. Um, and... It was funny because uh, in my notes, it says the availability for this beer is seasonal, usually July through September. Mm -hmm. And I was going to be like, oh, but we got it. We got it anyway. It's freaking April. We got this beer. No, we we didn't. It's it's seasonal. So that's why it's not in stock. Wow. (laughs) I didn't call. I'm an idiot. So um, I I ended up sending you a list of... um, I didn't look at any of them. uh, Okay. (laughs) So one of the other beers on uh, that I narrowed it down to is the one that I ended up going with, and uh, we'll get into it. It is called Bel Air Sour Key Lime okay. by Brooklyn Brewery. I'm still glad you got a thing called Key Lime. Of course. That really ties in. Um, yeah. Uh, did we talk about what the topic is? Did I say that? I can't remember. You said Lyme disease. Lyme disease. Uh, so, you know, Key Lime. <laughs> get it? You're a dork. But get yes, it. I like get it. it. Get it. Bel Air Sour Key Lime by Brooklyn Brewery. So Brooklyn Brewery mm-hmm. lives at 79 North 11th Street in Brooklyn, 
New York. Oh, hey, we got something outside of Chicago. Something outside of Illinois and Chicago. That's always yep. a freaking win. It's pretty far away, too. I know, was I think Tangerine Tornado was California or something like that. We've had, something like that, yeah. you know, West Coast. I don't think we've ever had anything from uh, the East Coast, New England area. Um, is New York New England? It's not, right? New England is like the smaller state. I thought it was like Boston. Uh, yeah, it's part of New England. But like Maine. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, whatever. It started in 1988 by Steve Hindy and Tom Potter. Oh, it's been around for a while. 88, yeah. It's a it's a pretty big brewery. Okay. They have their own Wikipedia page. Oh, good. Um, the annual production of uh, Brooklyn, brewery, Brooklyn Brewery is 217,000 U.S. beer barrels a year. Okay. Uh, this is some history from Wikipedia. Direct quotes. Lemme. mommy. Uh, Hindi learned to brew beer during a six-year stay in various Middle Eastern nations, such as Saudi Arabia and Kuwait. Mm-hmm. Upon his return to his home in Brooklyn in 84, he and Potter, his downstairs neighbor from Park Slope, quit their jobs and founded the brewery. Good for them. How risky. The pair hired graphic designer Milton Glasser, or Glaser, best known as the creator of the logo for the I Love New York campaign. Oh. Remember those t-shirts? Damn. Yeah. This guy. Uh, to create the company logo and identity, Glasser or Glaser received a share in the company in return. Hmm. Since 94, Garrett Oliver has been the Brooklyn Brewery Brewmaster. He had first been appointed brewmaster at the Manhattan Brewing Company of New York in 93, where he began brewing professionally as an apprentice in 89. In 2003, he published the book The Brewmaster's Table, Discovering the Pleasures of Real Beer with Real Food. Garrett has also been a judge at the Great American Beer Festival for 11 years. Damn. In 2016, they announced that they were looking to relocate their specialty brewing operation in Williamsburg after their landlord, Yoel Goldman, put the building up for sale as they would not be able to renew their lease for a reasonable price given escalating real estate prices. They also plan to relocate their main brewery (laughs) in Utica, New York, to a 70,200,000 square foot facility on Staten Island. 70 million, um, 2,000 square foot. 70 million, 200,000, 200,000 square foot. Big motherfucking place. Yeah, big brewery. Um, I don't think they've done that yet. I looked up their brewery. They're still like in the heart of Brooklyn, which is pretty impressive that they're, they managed to... Uh, Cram all that in the yeah, heart of Brooklyn. Right in the city. And uh, fun fact, Japanese corporation Kirin, which we've talked about before, uh, Kirin, Kirin or Kirin um, beer... They acquired a 24.5, almost a quarter stake in the brewery in October 2016. Hmm. Uh, this is, uh, these are quotes from their website um, for Brooklyn Brewery. The Brooklyn Brewery started with a dream to return brewing to Brooklyn once a powerhouse of American beer production. T- today, our beers travel to more than half the United States and over 30 countries. Our James Beard award-winning brewmaster Garrett Oliver and his team brew everything from classic styles to bold experiments and collaborate with brewers, innovators, and artists from around the globe. We've met wonderful people in remarkable places, and we can't wait to show everyone what's next. Our beer has a knack for turning up wherever vibrant, open-minded people come together. We've seen our cans at hip-hop festivals, our kegs holding up countertops in Singaporean food halls, and our labels and stickers on countless walls and bars. We aim to always support the people drinking our beer, no matter how far they are from our home borough. Hmm. Community involvement is a cornerstone of our brewery. We brew the Stonewall Inn IPA in support of the Stonewall Inn Gives Back initiative, and proudly marched with them at World Pride 2019 in New York City. Oh, that's badass. Local groups, including the Prospect Park Alliance, Transportation Alternatives, and Brooklyn Museum have received beer from us for their events. 
And lastly, our team stretches around the planet, ensuring our beer is delicious, adventurous, and available to all. Walk through our packaging hall in Brooklyn, and you'll meet people from over a dozen countries speaking more than 20 languages. Journey to Australia and find our local rep polishing his powerlifting. Hop up to France and see our education manager hand-stitching can sleeves. Swing through Japan, and you might find yourself at a metal show lit only by a Brooklyn Brewery sign. So these guys apparently are everywhere. Um, this beer is ready, readily available at um, a lot of the binnies all over Illinois. Um, they're a pretty big brewery. They've got a pretty large footprint. Yeah, and this is Bel Air Sour Key Lime. They do have um, their standard Bel Air Sour, but this is the Key Lime flavor, Key Lime version. Uh, their website, it says, A Bel Air Ride on a Key Lime Wave. Bel Air Sour Key Lime adds a squeeze of bright key lime to our award-winning Bel Air Sour Ale, amping up its uniquely tart taste to a whole new level. It's playful, tangy, and only here for a limited time. If you've got a tropical shirt in your closet, better break it out now. Hmm. I look forward to this. It's, uh, it's a sour ale, not a goza. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've had a sour ale once before. Sequench. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm sure this will taste much different than Sequench. It's key lime pie. So. Yeah, key lime, key lime pie, but it's also it's the sour ale, so we'll we'll see. Or just key lime? Is it key lime pie? Uh, it is key lime. Yeah, okay, yeah. key lime. So it'll taste like key lime. I don't pie, like sure. key lime pie, but I like lime, I like key lime pie. So good. I just think it's a lot of lime. Well, sequench had lime in it too. Yeah, but it was like not good. <laughs> <laughs> so Chelsea, Chelsea cooks with a lot of lime. So if she ever cooks for me, um. It's like a very lime-forward dish, which is always really good. Mm. I like lime. But and, obviously uh, it's going to be different than... Like Mexican food. A lot of lime she and cooks a lot tacos. Of Mexican and, food. Yeah, yeah Chelsea good stuff. Food. So we've had a sour ale before. We talked about it before. So I'll just sum up a few quick points. And It's any beer which has an intentionally acidic, tart, or sour taste. Um, styles include Belgian Lambics, Flanders Red Ale, and German Goza. Um, American Wild Ale, ale Berlina Weiza, um, and Ode Bruin. The starter used from one batch to another usually contains some wild yeast or bacteria. Sour beer is made intentionally, allowing wild yeast strains or bacteria into the brew. Um, if you want to hear a little bit more about sour beer, uh, tune, tune into episode 10, where we talk about sharks and sequench. That is a sour, sour ale. Yeah, and hear my reaction to yeah, it. Paige didn't like it. Um, <laughs> my reaction pulled, was so intense. I pulled this from craftbeer.com. They have this to say about the American sour. The acidity present in sour beer is usually in the form of lactic acetic and other organic acids naturally developed with acidified malt in the mash or produced during fermentation by the use of various microorganisms. These beers may derive their sour flavor from pure cultured forms of souring agents or from the influence of barrel aging. Hmm. Food pairing varies with sour ales. Um, It goes well with strong flavored cheeses and creamy desserts with fruit. You go with creamy diseases. (laughs) Creamy, creamy diseases. Gross. Uh, and uh, apparently it's best served in a goblet, according to craftbeer.com. We don't have a goblet. We're going to drink it out of pint glasses. What? I was thinking about maybe uh, wine glasses would be good to drink. That's you want, so you want to try it out of wine glasses? Sure. All right. We'll drink it out of we'll wine glasses. It's, it's close to a goblet. Close. Uh, the availability of this beer is limited per their website. I don't know what that means. I don't know how long it's been around. Uh, there are a couple of reviews from Beer Advocate, one of which I'll read um, that are from the last few months this year. Uh, tasting notes per their website, uniquely tart and remarkably tropical thanks to a key lime twist. Uh, Brooklyn Brewery says to try it with tacos, seafood, sorbets, red curry, fresh cheeses, fresh guacamole, fruit tarts, and bright shirts. 
And bright shirts. Bright shirts. I like that it's good with guacamole. That sounds positive. ABV is 5.8%. Mm-hmm. No score on Beer App Kit. Okay. It's got five reviews, six ratings, with an average rating of 3.87. Okay, that's the same as the one we just did. Um, beer West Coast Wizard. And Voquette. Do you see West Coast Wizard? Um, they shared our uh, tweet, or they retweeted our tweet. We tweeted them? They retweeted them. We tweeted? We tweeted them. And then they retweeted our tweet. What did they tweet? They tweeted our tweet. What was our tweet? They retweeted it. What was it? <laughs> it was our, it's the one we, uh, we do every week. I don't look at our Twitter. <laughs> I don't go on Twitter. We post on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and Instagram. Oh, just the links for our... Every, yeah. Oh, they shared that? They retweeted it. They retweeted it? it? They retweeted it. <laughs> yeah. advocate. Uh, that felt like an endless loop. Sorry, <laughs> key. <laughs> So I'll get this, uh, get this review keyed up, queued up, whatever, and we'll grab the beer. Uh, again, that's just water spots on the glass. I, I thought we were drinking it out of a wine goblet. Shit, we are. This is going to be weird as fuck. Hi, soda. Hi, Mel This is another reason why I need to buy uh, more glassware. For different styles of beers. So we're going to drink out of wine glasses. All right, let me see. Let me see this can. It's got a big old B. It looks like the Brewers logo. Milwaukee Brewers. With the B. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the circle. I had, to, I had to think about that. I really like the color scheme on this. It makes me think of like a 50s diner. Yeah, it's like a lime green, Easter pink, sky blue. All right, let me get a sniff. Ooh. It's good. Wow. It kind of smells like wine. God, you can't really get a good pour sound on this episode of Classy Beer and Fear. The foam likes to stick around. Like that uncle that uh, never really gets the vibe. <laughs> it smells a little sour, but it's not really, not really as sour as um, Sequench smelled. Sequence at all. It still smells like beer. Yeah. A little bit. I'm excited to try it. Did I fake you You're out? Faking me out, yeah. <laughs> the clink is not very satisfying. That is refreshing. Ooh. I could chug this. It's not bitter in any way. It's not especially sour, but it's very it's small, sour when it hits the tongue, but that's just the initial taste. I was expecting more of Me like too. a... Me too. But again, know. when you say sour, most people are going to think like, twist your face up sour. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I was thinking. Not but the varying levels of sour. It's definitely not like lime lime. It's key lime. It's like a light lime, you know? It's got that dirty orange look, like dirty orange juice look. Oh, yeah. It's hazy. And then uh, the foam definitely liked to hang out for a little bit, but it, it dissipates quickly compared to like, what, uh, West Coast Wizard where it was, wait, no, not West Coast Wizard. Was West Coast Wizard the one with all the... It was clingy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it that clingy? It was that clingy, yeah. These go away pretty quickly. I kind of feel like I'm drinking a mimosa. It's Honestly, <laughs> that's what, it's got like a champagne sort of quality to it. Very much so. And I guess the purpose of the glass is to, <coughs> it's all about aroma. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how you would um, decant wine. Sure. Um, it doesn't really add anything to the flavor, but the whole, the drinking experience. 
I bet you if I drank it out of a wine glass like I am now and drink it out of a pint glass, I wouldn't be able to tell you a difference. I can't get like an actual reliant or reliable burp because of the donut I ate. All I can taste is chocolate. <laughs> Fucked up my palate. <clears throat> Fucked up your burp. It's tart. It's uh, definitely lime. It's key lime. Tastes like a refreshing light lime flavor. Uh, but it's really not overly sour at all. Yeah, it's margarita and the burp. Yeah, it's what's well, nothing, and it's nothing like uh, sequential. No, entirely different beer. This is actually good. <laughs> I like a lot of dogfish head stuff. That was just a bad time, man. This is really good. This is enjoyable. And it's um, yeah, it's like you know, hanging out on a beach. You can sip this. Some Honestly. Seafood. I don't know about sipping this because, like, I could drink this. I I'm drinking this in mouthfuls. Like, it's very easy to drink. Yeah. Uh, let's check out this review. Oh yeah. By K Rug. Oh, yeah. K Rug. On Beer Advocate. What K Rug have to say? K Rug uh, from Massachusetts. This is dated February 26th of this year. This is Best Buy May 2021 is the Best Buy date on the can. It's a pretty. Bright and sunny day around here, not really feeling very much like winter. For the occasion, I felt like I had to bust out a simple sour to refresh myself. I've had their original Bel Air, enjoyed it quite a bit. For a simple fruited sour, it was damn solid, and I expect the same from this. Pours a hazy orange gold color with a finger of white head that quickly fades to a thin ring and leaves minimal lacing. The nose is simple and slightly tart, but still draws me in for a sip. I'm picking up on aromas of tart lime, bready malt, apple skin, flora hops, and orange. See that? Oh, an apple skin. Yeah, I can see that. Taste pretty much follows the nose, but it's presents like apples. Prevent uh, presents less of a tart bite than I would have expected. On the front end of the sip, I'm tasting crackery malt, some wheat, light lime, and a touch of earthy hops. It definitely it's more of the traditional beer wheat flavor that comes through on this one, mm-hmm. over you know rather than like an overly sour in your face uh, beer. Yeah, like I agree. Um, it's kind of just like tangy. Yeah. The swallow brings notes of tannic white wine, a lemon-lime combo, and crisp bready malt. I'm glad that we're doing the reviews if we do them after. Yeah. Um, It really, like, you know, like we said, champagne, white wine, definitely. Mm -hmm. The mimosa feel. A light, medium body pairs with gentle tingling carbonation resulting in a dry and thirst-quenching beer. Finishes mostly dry, but coats the mouth a bit, as I feel most sours do. Just like the original, this is a solid, simple sour. Something I could definitely throw back a few of on a hot summer day. Pretty cheap, too. Less than $2 for a single can, and the six-pack was marked down at $10. I think I got mine for eight. Wow. Eight bucks for six. That's a good deal. And that's it. It's good beer. Good beer. This is really good. (laughs) And you're done. If you want another one, there's four more in there. No, I'm okay. Nice try. Oh, this is pleasant. Trying to unload your beer on me. You're welcome to take as many as you want home, but... You wouldn't take any of the ones I gave you. I know. I took one West Coast Wizard. No, I'm stuck with the rest. Yep. And I, I fully expect to be stuck with the rest of my beer, but you're welcome to take as much as you want. Not to say that West Coast Wizard was bad. That was a good beer. It was delicious. It's just I don't drink beer that much. Because I want to enjoy yeah. it on the show. Right, and I'm trying to slow down also. Alcoholism is not a joke, kids. Glad we can have something different on the show. <sighs> oh, shit. Lyme disease. Yes. Is transmitted to humans by the bites of infected ticks of the genus Ixodus. 
I think. Exodus. It says I-X, so I'm going to go with Exodus. Because I don't think it'd be Ixodus. Mm-hmm. That just seems silly. Which are deer tick or black-legged tick. In the United States, ticks of concern are usually of the Ixodus scapularis type. Hmm. Which are, like I said, deer ticks and black-legged ticks. And must be attached for at least 36 hours before the bacteria can spread. In Europe, ticks of the Ixodus ricinus uh, or ricinus. I think it's ricinus. It's a C. Who knows? Freaking Latin. Honestly. Uh, type can spread the bacteria more quickly. I didn't know it took uh, a day and a half. In North America, the bacteria Borreli burgdorferi and Borreli Borrelia Borrelia. I don't know. They, they, they cause Lyme disease. I'm going to name my child that. <laughs> Borrelia burgdorferi. 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 Did you do your homework? <laughs> Borrelia burgdorferi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God. The disease not, does not appear to be transmissible between people, by other animals, or through food. Diagnosis is based upon a combination of symptoms, history of tick exposure, and possibly testing for specific antibodies in the blood. How do you keep track of your history of tick exposure? How do you know? I got a log. Today. Make a log. I no feel like ticks. that's a that's a thing in like the south. No ticks found today. Because when I was in Tennessee, that was like a, an issue. Because like okay, my, when I was a kid, we had to do yard work outside a lot. Um, and I went into this, like, bush wall. It was, like, literally a wall of bushes. Okay. And when I came back inside, I was like, better check you for ticks. I'm like, why is this a thing? I hope that I never get one because they're... They're tick log. Disgusting. They are disgusting, but they're very, very, very satisfying to pop. Oh. Set them on fire, they go... Ugh. What? Ugh. They deserve it. Blood tests are often negative in the early stages of the disease. Testing of individual ticks is not typically useful. Which, how would that work? You just collect a bunch of Testing ticks tick? and you're just like... Hmm. Do blood work on a tick? Yeah, that's weird. Give it an IV. How do you know it's his blood? It's true. You know? Uh, Lyme disease is the most common disease spread by ticks in the Northern Hemisphere. It is estimated to affect 300,000 people a year in the United States and 65,000 people a year in Europe. Infections are most common in the spring and early summer. Lyme disease was diagnosed as a separate condition for the first time in 1975 in Old Lyme, Connecticut. Hmm. It was originally mistaken for uh, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Interesting. The bacterium involved was first described in 1981 by Willie Bergedorfer. 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 Chronic symptoms following treatment are well uh, described and are known as post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome, or PTLDS. Mm Mm-hmm. As we all know what that is. Mm-hmm. Everything needs an acronym. Yep. PTLDS is different from chronic Lyme disease, a term no longer supported by the scientific community and used in different ways by different groups. Mm-hmm. Some healthcare providers claim that PTLDS is caused by persistent infection, but this is not believed to be true because no evidence of persistent infection can be found after standard treatment. A vaccine for Lyme disease was marketed in the United States between 1998 and 2002, but was withdrawn from the market due to poor sales. Hmm. That seems silly to me. Port sales. So you just kind of suffer with it until it goes away? I, th- I don't understand why. Because like, there's 300,000 cases, right? So you would think. And there's a vaccine for it. And you would think. Uh, s- signs and symptoms. The symptoms of it are, there's like a rash that's super wild. I'll show you pictures. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the picture? I know what uh, Lyme disease kind of looks like. It's like a red spot. 
ish kind of thing. Lyme disease can affect multiple body systems and produce a broad range of symptoms. Not everyone with Lyme disease has all of the symptoms, and many of the symptoms are not specific to Lyme disease, but it can occur with other diseases as well. The incubation period from infection to the onset of symptoms is usually one to two weeks, but can be much shorter, like days, or much longer, months to years. Mm-hmm. Lyme symptoms must often occur from May to September in the Northern Hemisphere. Because the nymphal stage of the tick is responsible for most cases. Asymptomatic infection exists, but occurs in less than 7% of infected individuals in the the United States. Hmm. Asymptomatic infection may be much more common among those infected in Europe. Okay. I don't know why there's such a difference. Because of the different ticks that affect it. It might have something to do with it. Uh, Lyme disease is caused by... um, Okay, this is a word that I have no idea how to even remotely pronounce. I'm just going to call it spiro. Like the dragon. Like the dragon. <laughs> yeah. It's a type of bacteria from the genus we've been talking about, Borrelia or whatever. Borrelia. Uh, they're often mistakenly described as gram-negative, which gram-negative um, are bacteria that do not retain the crystal violent, violet, violent, violet stain used in the gram-staining method of bacterial differentiation. Differentiation. Yeah, differentiation. Yep, whatever. <laughs> okay. We pretend I know what's happening. I have no clue. <laughs> I just I just looked it up. Fucking science. It was, it was very confusing. Lyme disease is classified as a zoonosis. Oh, yeah, we talked about those. As it is transmitted to humans from a natural reservoir among small mammals, birds, and ticks. Small mammals. Mammals. We, uh, rabies, we talked about that, right? Uh, that feed on both sets of hosts. Hard-body ticks of the genus Ixodus uh, are the main vectors of Lyme disease. Most infections are caused by ticks in their nymphal stage because they are very small and thus may feed for long periods of time undetected. Hmm. Nymphal ticks are generally the size of a poppy seed and sometimes they have a dark head and a translucent body. Or the nymphal ticks can be darker. Although deer are the preferred hosts of adult deer ticks and tick populations are much lower in the absence of deer, ticks generally do not uh, acquire Borrelia from deer. Uh, Instead, they obtain them from infected small mammals such as the white-footed mouse and Mm. occasionally birds. Areas where Lyme is common are expanding. Within the tick midgut, the Borrelia's outer surface protein, A, this is going to get sciencey for you. I can skip it. (laughs) I'm gonna. It's a lot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, tick bites often go unnoticed because of the small size of the tick in its nymphal stage. That's as scary. Well, as tick sec- uh, secretions that prevent the host from feeling any itch or pain from the bite. Yep. However, transmission is quite rare, with only about one to two to one to four. I'm sorry, one point four percent of recognized tick bites resulting in Lyme disease. Hmm. Eh. Pretty low. I would agree. So the symptoms. And signs. Mm-hmm. You don't go over that, right? Nope. Okay, cool. Are going to be fever, chills, headache, fatigue, muscle and joint aches, and swollen nymph nodes. Lymph swollen nodes. nymph nodes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> swollen lymph nodes. <clears throat> There's a rash that occurs approximately in 70 to 80% of infected persons. Looks like a big old bullseye. Yep. 
It begins at the site of a tick bite after a delay of 3 to 30 days. Average is about 7 days. See, I didn't know it took that long. Expands gradually over several days, reaching up to 12 inches or more, which is 30 centimeters across. It may feel warm to the touch, but is rarely itchy or painful. Hmm. Um, sometimes it clears as it enlarges, resulting in the target or bullseye appearance. So mm-hmm. it can be like this big patch, and then it starts to clear. Yep. It can appear on any part of the body because it, based off of where the tick bit you. Yep. You can have severe headaches and neck stiffness. Um, additional rashes on other areas of the body. Facial palsy, which is loss of muscle tone or droop on one or both sides of the face. Arthritis with severe joint pain and swelling, particularly in the noise, the noise, the knees, the knees, (laughs) the knees and other large joints, intermittent pain in tendons, muscles, joints, and bones, heat palpitations or an irregular heartbeat, episodes of dizziness or shortness of breath, inflammation of the brain and spinal cord, nerve pain, shooting pains, numbness or tingling in the hands or feet. All of that sounds just awful doesn't it sound like a bad time uh there is currently a two-step testing process for lyme disease uh both steps are required and can be done using the same blood sample Mm -hmm. if the first step is negative no further testing is recommended most lyme disease tests are designed to detect antibodies made by the body in response to infection antibodies can take several weeks to develop so patients may test negative if infected only recently Antibodies normally persist in the body for months or even years after the infection is gone. Therefore, the test cannot be used to determine cure. Mm-hmm. Infection with other diseases included some tick-borne diseases or some viral bacteria or autoimmune diseases can result in false positive test results. And some tests give results for two types of antibodies, IgM and IgG. Positive IgM results should be disregarded. Okay. Just so you know. If I ever test someone for Lyme disease, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I know you will. And then treatment for it. There's just a bunch of medicines. So doxycycline, amoxicillin. Hmm. I was curious. So you just take medicine prescribed by a doctor? Yep. Yeah. And like it goes away. 100 milligrams of doxycycline, 500 milligrams of amoxicillin. Nice. It depends on how bad okay. it is, I guess. Not a major treatment. There's different types of Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. So there's different types of medications. Um, so people with different types may require longer courses of antibiotics or intravenous treatment with antibiotics such as, uh, Ceftris something. Yeah. Heard of it. <laughs> it's like C-E-F-T-R-I-A-X-O-N-E. I don't know how to pronounce anything with an X except xylophone <laughs> or X-ray. <laughs> Good times. Good times. That's it? Yeah, that's it. I was uh, very uneducated about Lyme disease a lot. before you uh, read all your stuff, so had no idea what it entails. All I knew about it is that you usually get it from ticks, and then it leaves that giant rash on your your body where it bit you. I could drink another beer right now, but I guess uh, might start. Okay, anyone who's listening to this, if you want free beer, oh my god, from our it. episodes, <laughs> let me know because it's. Filling up my fridge because I've been drinking less and less of it. Uh, I'm equally unprepared for this episode like I was for episode 31, as far as my story goes. Um, I was more focused on getting my beer research done, and I can imagine my disappointment when I found out that it wasn't available. So for my research, um, I'm going to read some stories directly from the CDC's website. 
about Lyme disease because they've got a few personal experiences. Um, a couple of Reddit things that I found, and then I'm going to touch on another Wikipedia article for chronic Lyme disease, which you mentioned, um, and not something I have any experience with. Uh, I generally format all my notes out so it kind of flows, but I am just going to be reading off the website. So these are some stories from the CDC. This one's called A Summer for Healing. This is Heather's story. Heather. Heather. Heather got Lyme disease vacationing on the Massachusetts coast. Her recovery took longer than she'd expected. Heather has always loved the outdoors, and she especially enjoys summertime vacations with her family on the Massachusetts coast. The beautiful beaches, grassy dunes, and wildlife make this a special place for her. After graduating from high school in June, Heather and her family traveled to their annual vacation spot and had a great time as always. However, a couple weeks after returning home, she woke up with aching in her back, hips, and legs. My joints just seemed very stiff and creaky, she explained. In addition to the pain, she also had a fever and very and felt very run down. Heather's family has a history of juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, so her mother quickly became concerned. Heather went to their family doctor, who examined her and found a bullseye rash around her belly button. I hadn't even noticed the rash, Heather said, since she's had so many symptoms typical of early Lyme disease and had been in an area where Lyme disease was common. The doctor diagnosed her with Lyme disease in the office and didn't order any blood tests. Heather's mother, though alarmed that Heather had Lyme disease, was greatly relieved to find out that she didn't have uh, JRA, rheumatoid arthritis. After taking the prescribed course of antibiotics, her fever went away and she felt a bit better. However, her joint pain did not improve much and actually got worse over time. She had a lot of swelling in her knees, her hips, and back still hurt. The doctor prescribed a second course of oral antibiotics, which is sometimes recommended for people with Lyme disease whose joint symptoms do not improve after the first round of antibiotics. Heather's joint pain eventually improved, but she continued to feel tired and lethargic for the rest of the summer. Although she wanted to be outside running or rock climbing, she just didn't have the energy that summer. It wasn't until fall, about three to four months later, that she was able to resume her normal active lifestyle. I wanted to share my story to let people know that it can take a long time to feel better after having Lyme disease. Even though you might want to get out and climb a mountain, I never want to do that. Your body needs time to recover from what it's been going through. Knowing how long her recovery took, she's more careful now uh, than ever about preventing tick bites. She tries to check herself for ticks every day, and her dog now wears a tick collar and gets frequent tick oh, good, checks that's too. Mm-hmm. Good for your dog. It is important for your dog. This one is called An Unwanted Souvenir. This is Laura's story. Laura got Lyme disease during a family camping trip. She never saw a tick or a rash and didn't have symptoms until she suddenly experienced very serious knee and joint pains. Laura is a busy employee of a Colorado nonprofit organization. One day in August, while walking up a flight of stairs, she suddenly began to experience pain in both knees and stiffness throughout her entire body. Her friends teased her about being out of shape. That's fucking mean. But That's as dicky. a young and act active woman, she was worried. The next day, while riding her bike, her knees began to hurt so badly she wondered if she'd make it home. On the third day, she didn't even want to get out of bed. Everything hurt her knees, ankles, wrists, and shoulders. Just walking to the bathroom was a painful ordeal. When she saw her doctor a few days later, he asked her a series of questions, including, have you taken any va uh, vacations? Why, yes, she had. The previous month, Laura had gone on her family's annual camping vacation on Assateague Island. Assateague Island. Maryland. Home of the famous wild ponies. Her doctor decided to test her for Lyme disease and other ailments. Laura thought 
back to her vacation and remembered the park ranger in Maryland warning her family about ticks. Could she have Lyme disease? She'd seen ticks crawling near the campsite, but she hadn't found any ticks on herself. And like nearly a third of Lyme disease patients, she did not recall getting the telltale bullseye rash of Lyme disease. Two days later, her blood test came back positive for Lyme disease. Laura began taking antibiotics immediately. She started doxycycline on Wednesday, and by the next day, she felt slightly better. By Friday, she could navigate steps slowly and painfully. Progressively, her pain subsided a bit each day. Within a week, she was back to her usual routine. Laura remains thankful for her doctor's care. She's not going to let fear of Lyme disease stop her from attending the next family camping trip. However, she plans to use repellent on her skin and possibly wear permethrin permethrin treated uh, clothing hmm. i don't know what that is but apparently it prevents ticks and now she knows how lyme disease feels so if and she gets she it knows. again she won't delay a trip to the doctor if you think you have it go in don't ignore the signs yeah there's three hundred thousand cases of it someone's gonna get it this last one is called ticks strike twice they this strike twice linda's story motherfucking linda Linda got Lyme disease once, but was later bitten by another tick. Read her story to find out blah, 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 blah. I've had Lyme disease. <laughs> I've had Lyme disease. Two times. That's what she says. The first time was in 2001. I likely got the tick playing in the yard with my daughter. We live in Maryland, and we back up to Parkland. 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 Two words. Deer are plentiful. I developed a bullseye rash, first on the back of my knee, followed by one on my lower back a few days later. Two of them. I had heard that a rash could be associated with Lyme disease, so I looked up Lyme disease on the internet. Good. It's a good first step. I also read about the symptoms and testing. The information on the CDC website advised me to go to the doctor and share my symptoms and ask about testing. After reading the information, I went to the doctor and they took a blood sample. I never found a tick. About five days later, before the test results even came back, I began to develop flu-like symptoms. I remember the symptoms coming on quite rapidly one morning. By early afternoon, I was quite sick with a high fever. It was a Saturday, so I drove myself to the after-hours care at our HMO. I remember having a horrible headache, the worst one I ever, I have ever had, and all my muscles hurting. Because I was so ill and all my symptoms were consistent with Lyme infection, the doctor put me on antibiotics right away, even though the test results were not back yet. The test did eventually come back positive. My symptoms cleared up very quickly within a couple days. I have no lingering symptoms at all. I got Lyme disease a second time about three or four years ago. I had what appeared to be a scab on my hip that wouldn't go away. I finally picked the scab off. Gross. Later, I realized that the scab was probably a tick. Gross. I had a small rash that developed around where the scab had been and showed it to my friend, who is a physician's assistant. She suspected that it could be Lyme. I made an appointment with my doctor who ordered a test. He prescribed antibiotics even before the test results came back positive. Sounds like the same doctor. Before I took the antibiotics right away, I never got sick like I did the first time and never had any other symptoms. I think, well, because you mentioned about how the antibodies like stay in your body for a few years. So that's probably why it like, you know, worsened the uh, symptoms mm -hmm. this time. I'm always very wary of going outside in the spring, summer, and fall without repellent. So many people in our neighborhood have had Lyme disease, and the deer population has grown in the last 10 years, so I always feel a bit concerned, more so for my children than for me. I insist they have on bug spray when playing in the yard and always check them for ticks every night when they have played outside. It's so important to get accurate information about the signs of Lyme disease. If someone suspects they have been bitten by a tick or have a suspicious rash, the best advice I can give is to not wait to see your doctor. Mm. If it is Lyme disease, the sooner you can be diagnosed and treated, the less likely you are to develop more serious symptoms. Very informative stories from the CDC directly. A um, couple articles that I saw on Reddit. Uh, this was posted seven years ago by um, user Sarah CMYK. 
She says, I am a, she posted this on, on the Ask Me Anything subreddit. I am a person with chronic Lyme disease. Ask me anything. Oh, shit. Um, I'm going to try and scan this. I was bit by two ticks in June of 2012, and neither bite ever healed. She had four false diagnoses before she finally found a Lyme doctor. One of these was MS. They were all wrong. I've been on numerous unnecessary medications. I thought Lyme was possible and asked six different doctors to test me. They all said no, that the Lyme test was expensive and people just, quote, don't get Lyme. This is totally false. There are over 23,000 new cases per year and many people die from it. Didn't know that. I will be on antibiotics every day for at least a year. Um, she describes her symptoms that she had, a lot of the symptoms that we talked about. Um, she says people need to be tested more often. The CDC needs to talk more about Lyme and doctors need to be properly trained. Um, she was diagnosed with a, a lot of different things before she finally found a doctor that would test her for Lyme. Um, she had over 80 tests ran, CAT scans and MRIs. It, all it took was the Western blot to find out the truth. I don't know what that is. I asked my old doctor if it was more likely that I had four conditions or one Lyme disease. They just gave me more unnecessary medications. So a lot of people asked her questions. Um, uh, this one person asked uh, or stated, I'm so paranoid a Lyme disease carrying tick is going to end up in my cooch unnoticed. <laughs> like on that one episode of House. Uh, this one person said, pulled a tick off about two, two and a half weeks ago. Rash appeared, so I went to have blood work done. IgM came back at 0.91 or 0.091. Um... I've been on doxycycline since then, had all the same symptoms. This person's like, what are your bills like? Do you have health insurance? She talks about that. Says, the person says, my father is a retired forest ranger in upstate New York. He has had Lyme disease nine times. That's crazy. Damn, that's wild. Describe the pain. Is it throbbing? Does it vary throughout the day? Scale from one to ten. Says it depends on the day. Some days it feels like my body is a tuning fork and I got smacked. A vibration that does not stop. It is horrible. I have a very high pain tolerance. It varies every day. Migraines are bad as well. In what ways has this affected your everyday life the most? My vision is really bad, so everything looks off. If I moved, move too fast, everything tilts a little. She also talked about having vertigo. Like looking through heat waves is the best way I can describe it. The worst one is my blood sugar. My body producing way too much insulin, so I have to eat pretty much all day. That just sounds awful. Um, this second thing on Reddit was posted by a different user about a year ago on a subreddit called You Should Know. This person titled their post, You Should Know That Chronic Lyme Disease Doesn't Exist. What? And uh, they had since edited their post and included some, some other stuff, but they originally posted, If you are a member of your family is being treated for, quote, chronic Lyme disease, you are being conned out of your money, and you may be delaying treatment for a real, potentially serious disease that may actually be causing your symptoms. Chronic Lyme has gotten a lot of attention recently. Several celebrities, again, this is a year ago, several celebrities like Avril Lavigne have been diagnosed, quote, diagnosed by charlatans with Lyme, and now many people are seeking quack quote, specialists to be treated with long courses of serious antibiotics or other drugs for huge profit. Hmm. They include a few different links for further reading. Um, they edited their post. They said, didn't expect this to blow up overnight. I just want to be clear that I'm not saying symptoms of um, malaise, chronic fatigue, and chronic pain are not real. They are very real, and I understand that can make life unbearable. 
Uh, too long didn't read. Residual symptoms after Lyme treatment do not improve with continued Lyme therapy. And a diagnosis of Lyme disease despite negative blood tests is fraudulent, yet both are increasingly common practices in the alternative medicine community, leading to huge out-of-pocket costs and missed true diagnosis. Hmm. Diagnoses. There is a Wikipedia article about CLD, chronic Lyme disease. I know you touched on it a little bit. Um, the uh, first sentence, it says, it's the name used by some people with, quote, a broad array of illnesses or symptom complexes for which there is no reproducible or convincing scientific evidence of any relationship to the Borrelia burgdorferi infection to describe their condition and their beliefs about its cause. Um both the label and the belief that people's symptoms are caused by this particular infection are generally rejected by medical professionals, and the promotion of chronic Lyme disease is an example of health fraud. Um, should not be Chronic Lyme disease in this context should not be confused with genuine Lyme disease, a known medical disorder caused by infection with that same um, strain of bacteria, or with post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome, a set of lingering symptoms which may persist after successful treatment of infection with Lyme bacteria. So apparently CLD isn't really a thing. Um, there's a lot of lawsuits surrounding it, harassment of researchers, a lot of stuff in the media, um, health fraud. It's crazy. Hmm. It's wild. Uh, Lyme disease is real. Chronic Lyme disease doesn't have any really thing to to back it up with. Um, so I don't know this this person with chronic Lyme disease. I mean, their symptoms are real, but. I don't know if people are just saying this is chronic Lyme disease in order to prescribe them more bacteria and bring them in for further treatment when it could be something completely completely different or that um, that form of Lyme disease where like after you know symptoms linger after you've been diagnosed. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how credible that is. I don't I'm not saying that she didn't experience all that stuff. I'm sure she did. Um, it sounds awful. I hope I never get it. But uh, Sounds like there's something afoot in the um, the healthcare field, healthcare business about chronic Lyme disease. Don't believe it, folks. Don't give in to the uh, propaganda, the CLD propaganda. It's big Lyme. Big Lyme is just trying to shove misinformation down your throat. Wake up, sheeple. Wake up, sheeple. Big Lyme's here to get you. <laughs> That's all I got. I went through that pretty quick because I didn't know how how much of that I'd be going into. But. I don't know. You had a lot of information. What did you think of the beer, my dude? I want another one. I might... Do it. I might drink another it one. It was a good beer. That good. was really good. And it's not... I, I, it's another thing I'd be interested in checking out is like um, the caloric content. Because um, beer has a lot of carbs mm-hmm. and some beer has a little bit of calories. Um, I'd be interested to see different styles of beers, how that varies. Um, I imagine something like a sour beer probably doesn't have a whole lot of carbs. I'm not sure. I don't know, just the way it's brewed? I have no idea. I doubt it says on the can. But I'll have to look into that. I really liked it. Uh, It was tart and refreshing and um, very key limey. Casota still wants that coffee cake. (laughs) Um, It was very good. I liked it. Good beer. Glad we got to try Another sour beer that uh, didn't immediately make you recoil and um, want to dump it all down the drain. It's true. That's really how I felt about Sequench. I liked it. Yeah, you I like everything. And unrelated, um, it's funny walking into Benny's now and seeing 
I sent this when I picked up the beer for 31. Seeing all the beer that we tried before, it's like it, it just, they just pop out, it seems like. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I've seen that can before. Um, but it's like more and more. I saw Vera today at the Benny's. I almost wanted to pick it up. I saw Bat Squatch right away. A lot of old Irving there. Um, so, yep. What about you? I enjoyed it. Excellent. <laughs> it was really good. It's uh, like I, I drank it super fast. That's very rare that I do that with beers. Usually I sip them. Uh, I thought that it was uh, pretty refreshing. Um, very. Not very sour, you know, but like. Not what I was expecting. No, I was expecting. It's a more mild, more, but a it's more still. more puckered face. Yeah. It's still a good, uh, good amount, though. I agree. Yeah. I thought it was really well brewed. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got other... I'd be interested to try some of their other um, mm-hmm. types, of, types of beer, too. They've got a few other sours. Um, Distill, the one that I was going to do, they have a wild sour series, mm-hmm. and the Key Lime one was just one of them. They had, like, nine or ten different flavors. Um, so hopefully we'll get to try some of those also. There's so many beers and not en- not enough time. It's true. That's really what it comes down to. It's so true. But uh, this is a delicious beer, and I'm glad we got to try it. And uh, I am uh, happy to have some of these cans uh, stand around in my fridge. I'll be enjoying them for a while. But take as many as you want home. Okay. <laughs> beer, beer and fear cast at gmail.com. <laughs> yep. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. Uh, follow us, Beer and Fear Cast is our handle for pretty much everything. New episodes every Wednesday at noon. Send us emails about anything. Mm-hmm. You can just be like, what up? Anything else? I think I'm forgetting something. Nothing I can think of. <sighs> oh, I'm sleepy. Okay, that's it. Pick up some of this beer, guys. Go find it. You can get it at any Binnie's. It's prolific. It's everywhere. Mm. The Brooklyn Brewery. Uh, sour beer, key lime, key lime, New York, uh, Bel Air sour. Wow. Bel Air sour, key lime. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs>